This episode is brought to you by Nexus Law Group. For those seeking positive career change, Nexus Law Group offers senior lawyers the freedom of sole practice with all of the support and infrastructure you need so that you can focus on what you do best, practicing law. Contact Nexus to find out how you can take the next step towards a more rewarding legal career. Find out more on the Join Us page at nexuslawyers.com.au. You're listening to Doing Law Differently. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as I explore how the world's most progressive legal service providers are doing law differently. Hello, welcome back. You're listening to the Doing Law Differently podcast. I'm Lucy Dickens. As you know, this season of Doing Law Differently is being brought to you by two fantastic companies, Law CPD and Nexus Law Group. Earlier on in the year, I was speaking to Nexus's business and marketing manager, Justine Lamond about the seasons and the guests that I had planned. And I was mentioning to her that I was looking for one or two more people to fill the spots. Justine started telling me about some lawyers who work at Nexus, who she thought would make a great fit for the podcast and who would be able to provide lots of valuable information about doing law differently. But during that conversation, she was also telling me about some of the work that she has been doing at Nexus, including running workshops with staff to help them identify and define the business values. And a lot of her work that was really focused around really building the culture. And I stopped her and I said, Justine, you are the perfect person to fill the spot that I need on the podcast. So how about I interview you instead? And I'm really glad I did because Justine has shared with us so much of her experience condensed into a short 25 minute episode. But she has a really vast background in stakeholder engagement and key messaging and defining a company's values and working out what its culture should look like and then bringing that to life. And so it was really interesting to talk to her about those ideas, both in almost a theoretical sense, but then also to see how that applies in practice in the work that she's been doing at Nexus. So we get an insight into Nexus's culture as well as the really practical how to how to do this yourself if you really want to focus on bringing your company culture to the forefront and Justine shares the questions that you should ask yourselves and your teams if you want to start to try to identify some of your company values so that is what this episode is about i think it's a really important topic and a really important conversation and i know that because i am so often asked by well, the conversation comes up on this podcast time and time again, but I'm also asked by others in the profession about what does it take? How do I really create a great culture? And even on the flip side, by people who are looking for work, I'm hearing far more and more and more that they're interested in finding a business whose culture fits with their values. So these things are just so important. As Justine and I mentioned, it's really easy to let them kind of slip into the background as we get focused on the practice of law and running a business. So I think this is an important topic to bring to the forefront of your mind and to spend some time and attention on as you are building a business that's doing law differently. Before I hit play, I am very grateful to Law CPD and Nexus Lawyers for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. So please do go and check them out, lawcpd.com.au or nexuslawyers.com.au and show them some of your support in return. Now let's hit play. Here is Justine Lamond on the Doing Law Differently podcast. Are you a lawyer who needs CPD? I've teamed up with Law CPD to make that task easier for you. 
Law CPD provide premium CPD for Australian lawyers and they offer so much more than just another webinar. Law CPD's courses are online, on-demand, interactive learning. Law CPD are offering Doing Law Differently listeners $25 off of their first purchase using the code DLD25. There are over 100 courses across all competency areas, so visit lawcpd.com.au to find your next CPD course and make sure you use the code DLD25 for your $25 off. Welcome to the podcast, Justine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I thought we could start by you giving us a short introduction to Nexus and your role within the business. Look, Nexus is a really quite unique law firm. So it's in the new law category. What I found interesting about Nexus is the kind of freedom that Nexus had as a law group. And again, I don't have a law background. So in my mind, I came to this industry expecting the traditional law kind of structure. But as a company, it's been a really great and positive environment. But Nexus, why is it different? It's called a networked law firm. So basically, it's a network of senior professionals working together all independently, and you have a huge support network in which to access. So I think that's quite different to some other law firms where you've got very set little hours, got to do this, got to do that. It's really about giving you the freedom and support to find out what you want to do. And that's what I love about Nexus. I think that's what is obviously what makes it so unique, but also I think really exciting because it's very different. And I feel like I'm always wanting to ask more questions and know more because it just sounds, it seems fun. <laughs> it is. And it doesn't fit into a box. The mold, yeah. I, mean, I think that's what, that's why I think it's a hard one for people to sometimes get their head around because it doesn't match oh, we're a traditional law firm, oh, we're a chambers practice, oh, we're a bunch of sole practitioners because we're none of that. You know, literally people come in and they go, right, this is where I, I want to do law in this area and uh, they get to practice fully supported by the network. We basically have a support sort of back office that provides all the administrative and accounting tr- trust support so that lawyers are just left to just do the job, really. And should something come up where they need to access someone outside their realm of specialty, they have the network that they can refer to. So, yeah, it's a bunch of just really good people doing what they like. Before I start talking to you more about some company culture and values, which is the topic of this interview, the things we want to focus on, before I get into that, can you tell us a bit more about your role within Nexus? What is it that you do? The title, per se, is National Marketing and Business Development Manager. It's a heavy title, but I really think what it's about is engaging with all the different lawyers, finding out what's interesting, what's going on, getting that uh, thought leadership and content out of them, putting that out into the world, but then also liaising with them in terms of supporting them for new business development as individuals, but also as a group. And then internally, I think it's about what we're doing now and talking about is cultural alignment and company values. So that's been a real driver since I've been on board. Yeah, great. That is what I really wanted to talk to you about is this idea of culture and company values. This comes up time and time again when I'm doing these interviews and when I'm speaking to professionals or other people in the industry. Some of the things, the most common things that I'm asked are things like, how do I find the right people for my company? How do I get all my staff on board with this new innovation idea or this new direction? Or we want to make customer service a focus, but my staff don't really seem to be kind of where I'm at on the same kind of thinking. So it's kind of getting everybody 
on the bus and facing the same way. Yeah. And I know this is what you've been doing a lot of work on in Nexus. And these are really some of the things that I wanted to basically pick your brains about and benefit from the experience that you've brought in to Nexus. So can we start with culture? Why is culture important? In a nutshell, you want to work in an environment with people that you like, that make you feel supported, that help you do your job and come to a great place to work. And culture is one of the key things that helps create that environment. And that doesn't mean that it has to be a super fun, busy, joy, 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 happy, happy place. You know, it's just about getting an environment where everybody has the same expectations, understands what the rule book is, and also creates a supportive and positive culture that you can move forward and do what you want to do. And that means getting everybody on the same page, getting everybody agreed to a certain set of principles of how you interact and how you engage. And then getting everyone together so that there is a sense of unity going on. I think that's a real challenge with any large group or large company is really building that sense of community. So you don't feel like, oh, I'm coming into my little cubicle and I'm going and it feels like some episode of The Office. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that it's one of those intangible things to put forward. But when you have a negative culture or a negative environment, you really feel it. And it's the one thing that, you know, people don't leave organisations, they leave people and they leave cultures. So you want to create, you know, an environment where everyone feels supported, they know what they're doing, and they're moving forward to go do what they want to do. Yeah, that's so true. I think one of the biggest misconceptions or perhaps Things that we need to learn, and I've, I'm no exception to this rule. I remember kind of myself going on this journey and realising this, but it's that culture doesn't just happen. We have to be very intentional about making it work and making it constructive and building the kind of culture that we want. Earlier in my career, when I first started management and leadership and kind of being in a supervisory role, I just thought, yeah, we have a great culture. We all get on well. We're respectful. We're kind. But that's not enough. And we have to be really intentional about designing it. What's been your experience with that? I've had a really wide experience, range of experiences. I think um, I'd like to pause and point out there's two different, I think, approaches to building culture. I think you've got the large organisations that go, right, this is our culture, get on board, and they build the structure around it. And whilst they do engage with people, they set the tone, they set the principles, and they outline, this is who we are and this is what we're going to do. So when you come into it, you know what you're signing into from the very beginning. Where I think, um, again, reflecting on the legal industry and probably outside the, the big law firms, the opportunity that everyone has is to build their own culture and to build their own company values. So they can really make it what they want. And I think that's quite a different approach to a larger international organization which I've done those before I did one where I had to align 13 different countries into the one organization and that was a really positive experience we had different cultures and different value systems and and also innate personalities of different cultures and different types of, of people so that was at one extreme but I think when it comes to different firms they've got a real opportunity to get to everyone to have a voice and a say and so I think it's a really strong opportunity that people have in that area so it's not something that just happens you really have to sit down and think what is the place that I want to we want to work in I think when I have done key messaging workshops and, and these kind of brainstorming things at the beginning I literally start with a question of what do you want your firm the people in your firm to be known as 
or to be known by? What are those characteristics? And I always use Apple as an example. They have got their culture so down pat. So if you're an employee from Apple, all your products are Apple. You are an Apple person. But also to the point where as a consumer, you're either an Android or an Apple person. So it's a really good uh, example of how not only does their company culture define their employees and their headspace and how they do things, it also defines their clients in a way. Definitely. Can you tell us a bit more about those workshops? One of the things I really like to focus on on this podcast is giving kind of practical tips. So if people are listening to you and thinking, okay, I need to be more intentional about my culture, how do they do it? So I know you run these workshops, you've run them for Nexus, and you've told us the starting point, but where do you take it from there? Let's start with the question of what do I want my staff or my people to be known as? So what are the characteristics? So we'll write them all down. So friendly, open, confident, delivering, you know, quality goods. So we write all these characteristics down and then we kind of look at the business principles. And I think it's really important to ensure that your company culture aligns with your business principles, your strategy, where you want to go. There's no point having a super touchy-feely culture if it doesn't mean that you don't deliver on your business strategy and move the company forward. So they have to come into unison. So uh, a lot of the time it's about mapping out your mission statement and your value statement, where you're going, what you want to do as a company, what you want to achieve, and what are the characteristics of the people that would help to get you there. So it might be, it's a boring one, but diligent, very, you know, thorough, engaging. What are the qualities of the people? And once you map them out, I think it's a matter of then as a group coming together, because it's really important if everyone's not on board, then it's never going to work. Do you mean, especially in a smaller, non-international organisation, everyone has to truly believe and engage and be on board with those cultures because otherwise it's just a bit of lip service and it doesn't go any further. Yeah, that was a question I was going to ask you was the the lip service comment. If I'm coming into an organisation or if I'm already in an organisation who has done some work on the culture and they come along and they say, you know, this is what we stand for, these are our values, how do you then get the people on board with that how do you make sure that those things are being lived out day to day as opposed to just being lip service and maybe you can tell us what nexus do to make sure that this happens to kind of give an example and you've also got to remember people are individuals doing so you've got these company values and you've got that the individual person and their own set of values and there has to be some sort of alignment so sometimes it's a matter of I mean, yes, you can have them plastered all around the office and you go, well, today we're going to focus on this culture and how am I living and breathing this one culture? That's one way of doing it. I do also think it's really important when it comes to cultural values. It's almost like a, it sounds cold to define it as thus, but an agreed set of principles, an agreed set of engagement. And this is how we're all going to work together. And this is the respect that we're going to give each other by these different values. So when people come on board, they're like, right, These are the things we as a company hold dear and these are our values. And by coming on board, you're agreeing to adhere to these values. So we want to live and breathe these in the office space. So, you know, respect is one. Live that every day. It might be no matter what level you're at, from the top lawyer down to the front house staff, you treat each other with respect. Yeah. It's interesting. We have as one of our selection criteria for all of the jobs, any job that we advertise, one of our selection criteria is always that the person will share values with our law firm. And we keep it intentionally very vague so that we can 
see very easily who's gone and figured out what our law firm values are. They're not hard to find. They're on our website. Um, so you can find them, right? So, it, But it shows very, very clearly who's done the research and who hasn't and who's genuine about whether they actually believe in the things that we say that we believe in. So I can see even before people begin working with an organisation how those values become so important in helping them know if they're the right fit for the business and helping the business know if they're the right fit for you yeah and also whether you want to be part of that company yeah absolutely and we get people come to us and I'm sure Nexus do maybe you can give us some examples but we get people come to us saying I'm applying here because I really like that you have a modern approach and that you you, you're flexible with your staff you're very clear that your staff have lives outside of the work and that's really important to me it's those small things that show instantly okay we're on the same page with some you know at least some things so how does that play out at Nexus with your very unique business model? You know, it's something that we, when we engage with people who want to join the network, uh, the group in the network, it's really a matter of, yeah, we've got these values and we talk about them with them. And it's interesting, during those interviews, you'll find just things they say will resonate or not resonate. And we put things forward and either it resonates with them or it doesn't resonate with them. And I think it's literally, a chem- I don't want to say it's a chemistry test because that's not true. But it is a form of finding the right people who share your value system. Do you mean? And so you find that when you interview them, yeah, some people just, uh, and I guess, again, if I had to throw it out there, I think lawyers have grown up in a certain structure and sometimes there's a uh, decorum or a type of engagement that can be constructive and otherwise it can be some of a top-down approach. We're not for the top-down approach. We're for really constructive environment. So sometimes, you know, that's very evident in certain conversations. So, you know, you can immediately feel, well, if you don't really feel like these, this way of working works for you, then we want the great people and the great people do come on board. We've spoken about values kind of almost in an abstract way. I know you've given a couple of examples along the way, but can we narrow it down? Can you share with us what are some of the values that Nexus has? Respect is a really important one yeah, and support. So a lot of the time, that definitely supportive environment, a professionalism, they're definitely uh, three of our key ones. And what do we mean by that? That's about making sure that you've got the confidence that people you deal with are going to respond to you and support you. It's a, it, again, it comes back to that contractive engagement. So respect, professionalism, you know, that you know if you put the call out saying, hey, I need assistance in this, everyone will basically drop their pens and come help you. So they're the kind of things that we build. And there's a sense of entrepreneurialism, which is another hard one to define. And we put it there because we don't want just people to come in and do their job and go. You know, we want them to always have an eye for how can I make things better? Always kind of not being happy with the way things are, always looking to improve. So I think that's definitely one of our our hard to define cultural values. What's the business case for some of this stuff? Because a lot, or at least in a traditional sense, not just in law, but in other, in many organisations, there are a group of leaders who are interested in things that have a clear dollar value associated with them. So, you know, they want to focus on billing time because there's clear money that comes in. Whereas when we're talking about culture, it's less tangible. It's not quite so easy to see the business case in financial terms. Now, I'm not saying I agree with this. I'm just kind of putting it out there as, as one school of thought. What's the business case? How do we demonstrate the importance of building a constructive culture in the way that you've said? 
I'm not an HR person, but I think sometimes when you look at the cost of basically having someone who is working in the environment and they're not happy and then they leave, you know, just the recruitment costs is, you know, one way of financially quantifying it. But I think in terms of a financial value, a negative culture or an unsupportive culture will bring down a company. No matter how big or how small, over time it will completely bring down your company because you're creating an environment that no one wants to work at. It's really that simple. And people know that a company is the people that are there, that work for them. So if you don't create a positive environment in which people want to be there and move forward with you, what's the point, really? I mean, that's hard to put into financial values, but, you know. I don't think it necessarily has to be. I mean, I think a business case can relate to a lot more than just the dollars on the on the balance sheet or the profit and loss. But, yeah, your comments are interesting. And you mentioned then if you don't foster or create this positive or constructive culture, then these things can happen. And we touched on at the very beginning of this conversation about the fact that building culture like this is intentional. You have to work at it. It doesn't just happen by itself. What are some of the things that Nexus are doing to contribute to or to foster the culture that you've built there? One of the challenges we have is that we're a networked group. So, you know, it's not a matter of everyone comes into the office every day. A lot of people work from home or they're in different states. And so we put a lot of energy into making sure people feel that they're part of a group, an intimate group. And especially now with COVID, everyone's worked, you know, moving from home. I think that was one of the things that was really proven for our business model is that we had virtually no disruption whatsoever because people were already working within a networked context. So we just carried on as normal. It was fine. But I think things that we do to make sure people feel close with one another, sometimes they're a bit silly, sometimes they're great. So basically every month we have a group phone call where we're all on Zoom. We all have just chit chats. They have a number of emails from me, probably one every two days, either with something on LinkedIn that I've posted and saying, hey, guys, can you support us on LinkedIn and, you know, share this along or uh, group chats on email. Other things that we do, we do have conferences twice a year. So before that, we tend to do a lot of engagement with them, saying, hey, look, you know, get ready. We're going to have this fantastic conference. But, yeah, it's been a real focus of mine, I think, in starting years, really building the culture. And that has really been with talking to each lawyer individually and making sure they know I'm available, but then also bringing people together. And some of it's just simple business, you know, strategies, building teams, saying, hey, you'll work together in a certain area. Why don't you cross-share? Why don't we do this together? I think sometimes it's not a matter of being a cheerleader. It's about just someone saying, hey, raising the flag and bringing just people together in a room, really. Yeah. It's really interesting for me to hear that. One of the realisations I've had sort of towards the end of last year in our team at Birmingham Ride is that I've been very, very focused on doing what I call my development work, which is the stuff, general business development, process improvement, all the stuff that I love. I really enjoy it. And because I work part time, I'm in the office three days a week. I like to come in and work. When I'm there, I want to just get my head down and get my stuff done. But I've realised that by doing that, I'm not as present as I need to be with staff and I'm not making that time to just go and have a casual chat because I'm so engaged in what it is that I'm doing which is good but I've kind of let the ball drop with the culture because of that and this is why I think it's interesting that you say this is a big part of the work that you do Nexus have a dedicated employee you and I'm sure other people within the business do this as well but you've been very intentional about saying this is a really important part of my role and it's valuable it's worth me investing time in 
it's easy to forget that, I think. Yeah, and like I said, it's the thing that will make someone late. Mm. Do you mean like we've all been in a job at some point of our careers where the, the company was, the culture was toxic and you just think, why am I here? What is the benefit of me being here when I could be doing something else? So it's about really creating a really supportive environment, whether that be, so I always have an open door policy. I have constant bowls of Skittles. <laughs> I will bribe you with sweets. Come talk to me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> really about creating an environment where people feel comfortable to come in and have a chat and about whatever. But also I think creating an environment that's really, and supportive is such a broad term, but if someone has an idea, they're like, hey, I've got this idea. I don't really know how it's worked. Giving them that support and confidence to go, right, I can put an idea forward. No one's going to laugh at me. We can yeah. we can try and do something. But also knowing that there are going to be people who will listen and be receptive, but also objective as well. And I think that's one of the really important things I'm trying to build here is that creating that environment where we, where we can build things yeah. and getting yeah. to people. There's nothing more satisfying than on GP call where I've got one GP in Brisbane talking to another one and suddenly they've decided, oh, what if we did this thing? And I'm like, oh, my God, this is the reason we have these calls. And I get very excited. I do jazz hands and I'm like, yay. Validates it all for you. Yeah, it's great. It's really great. But if you don't have someone bring those people together, then those connections that started at work won't happen. So it's not about just creating a touchy-feely environment. It's about creating an environment which fosters connections and driving of a new work. Yeah. I know one of the things that you do there, which you will probably be able to explain much better than me, is you encourage your staff to refer work between one another. So there's no competition over, I need to keep all the work or do everything myself because they are rewarded and it's part of the business model that they should refer and share work within the network. Yes. So I think it's really important that that's, again, going back to the cultural values. So if someone puts forward a referral, then that is always immediately addressed so that people know that their clients are not going to be left in the lurch. You know, so I think that's another thing that people all have to respect is that their loss of face on from the, towards their client, if they don't have that referral picked up, that client will either not come back or lose confidence in that lawyer. So it's making sure that we're all here to support each other. So, and you know, it, it does help that they get some financial support on that referral as well. So there's a motivator financially, but also culturally, we're all there for each other. The question I always finish on this podcast is what advice would you give to someone who wants to do law differently? And you can take this in whatever way you like, focusing on culture or values or not. I don't mind. It's up to you. I do find coming in, again, from a non-legal perspective, that understanding the difference between traditional law and and the firms of the new law have such an open book to start with you know they're they're not really if I you know if I had to put a generalization out there they're not basically burdened with these archaic structures and ways that they have to be so I think when it comes to creating your company values and if you're in that that new law spectrum or even just creating a firm for yourself now or even a sole practitioner um, I think it's defining who you are and what your values are are a way of communicating to your audience to clients to to your stakeholders, your peers, this is who I am, what I value, and this is how I do my business. And either people can come to your front door or they don't. But either way, that means that people come to your door and the people who you know you're going to work well with. So if people took the time to go, right, I would like people to know that this is the type of person I am, the type of work that I do, and this is the way I do my work, that's already putting you in a, in a strong stead 
to engage with whomever you wanted to deal with. And we've spoken, we've focused entirely on culture and staff, but the same thing applies, doesn't it, to clients? Because they can see if you've got this public picture of this is who I am, this is what I value, this is how I work, exactly like you just said, clients know whether you're the right lawyer for them as as well. We've only really touched on one side of the coin in talking about the internal perspective. Definitely. I think and more, especially more now as a consumer, like if you're a consumer, you or a consumer client, the way they receive customer service, and I we talked about this before, you know, they receive customer service on so many different levels from so many different things. They expect those same things from their lawyer. So, you know, I think when I, and people make decisions with their purchasing power, you know, they're going to either go with someone who treats them well and whom they feel comfortable referring on to or not. So you really need to create an environment where that client feels confident that their their work is going to be dealt with. You're going to give them the right advice, an ease or a relief that, oh, it's being taken care of. So you've kind of got to figure out how you give that to your client within your definition of self. Yeah, because I think it's really important to be true to who you are because it's just, it's too exhausting to be anything else. It is, right? Absolutely, definitely. Thank you, Justine. I've really enjoyed talking to you about these concepts of culture and value and hearing it from your perspective because you do have a lot of background in, like you mentioned, different industries. So you're bringing all that together and applying it to the legal industry. I think it's really, really valuable. So thank you very much for sharing it with us. Thank you for having me. It's been great. That's all for today's episode of the Doing Law Differently podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to do law differently and you're looking for some guidance and inspiration to help you along the way, then get your hands on my book. It's time to do law differently, how to reshape your firm and regain your life. You can get it on my website, lucydickens.com.au forward slash book or on Amazon or Booktopia where you'll also find the ebook versions too. Don't forget to leave a rating and review if you enjoy the podcast and be sure to tell your friends and let other people know too. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.